Turkish. If you flip over to Acts chapter 11, verse 19 and following, it'll be on the screen. Now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except the Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and the great number who believed turned to the Lord. And report of this came to the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord." So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. You skip over to chapter 13, verse 1. Now there, and this is Antioch again, so no church in Antioch, church in Antioch. That's what we're finding here, chapter 13. Now There were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon, who, or Simeon, sorry, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menean, a member of the court of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, after fasting and praying, they laid hands on them and sent them off. What we find in these four passages are a lot of, lot of different things, but some primary things on what did the early church do? Why do we exist as a church? So I'm just going to give a quick bullet points, and then we're going to dive into actual points of the message. First is, what do we see here? We see people devoting themselves to the teaching of God's Word, seeking to grow, learn, and apply God's Word. They saw themselves as set apart and sought to live holy lives for God. Secondly, the people devoted themselves to fellowship, to prayer, and to worship. They knew each other, and they had a unity about them, and they cared about that. Acts says they had all things in common. They prayed for boldness. They prayed for one another. They prayed for mission. They fasted together. Thirdly, the people devoted themselves to generosity, meeting needs, seeing their resources for the kingdom's purposes. They were generous with their money, giving of needs. They were generous with their people, seeking to send the best. And fourthly, the people devoted themselves to mission. They had this outward thinking, thinking beyond themselves, seeing that gospel proclamation was needed, seeing that churches were lacking in certain areas, and so they would send in order to plant churches. They weren't looking just for others to meet the needs. They were looking and sending themselves. There was relational sacrifice that they embraced. There's so much that we can get from these four passages and the overarching view of the early church. And this is where we are rooted. We're rooted not just when we planted in 2011. We didn't start something new. No, we're rooted in the text of Scripture. So point number one is this. Why do we exist? Why do we exist as a church? We saw in our Ephesians message that we just finished up that the church is for the glory of Jesus Christ. 
Paul, in the, in the book of Ephesians, calls the church the household of God, the pillar of truth, the bride of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 10.31, it says, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So the aim and purpose of life is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Thus, the aim and purpose of a church, God's people, are to glorify God and enjoy Him. Edmund Clowney, the mentor of Tim Keller, said that there's a threefold goal of the church. The church is to worship, the church is to nurture or grow spiritually, and the church is to witness. So worship, nurture, and witness. And pastor and theologian after theologian kind of talk about this as a three-legged stool, and to miss any of those worship or nurture or witness is to fall over as a church. We put it this way, we at Risen Hope Church exist to glorify God as we treasure, apply, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. So so you hear the three-legged stool even in what we say week in and week out, and this isn't just some theoretical statement. This is like our grounding of who we are. We treasure, we worship God. We don't worship other gods, we don't worship ourselves, we don't worship this church, we worship God. We apply, that's the nurture idea, the gospel, and we proclaim, we witness the gospel. In your seats, you may have found one of these. This is a mission action plan card. We developed this years ago. This might be something helpful to stick in your Bible. Um, I'll be talking a little bit about this as we go. You don't have to read it all now, but on the front, it kind of tells you who we are. On the back, it gives just application questions of like, what does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus at Risen Hope church. That can give you a little play-by-play there. So we're going to be kind of circling the treasure, apply, proclaim. Those, the three-legged stool throughout this message, treasure, apply, proclaim. And we're going to talk about why do we exist in the treasure, apply, proclaim. We're going to talk about all these different questions. So treasuring, we treasure Jesus Christ because we are amazed by God's worth. We're amazed by God's love. We're amazed by his pursuit of us. In Acts chapter 4 that Ish read, they said this, Sovereign Lord who made the heavens and the earth, made the sea and everything in them. And then he goes on to speak not just of the God as creator, but God as redeemer and the redemptive plan of Christ. Saying that uh, Psalm chapter 2, which he quotes in Acts 4, is Jesus. He's the king of kings. So we treasure We're committed to loving God and his word. We treasure by expressing gratefulness to him as we did this Sunday and we do each Sunday. We treasure as we daily meditate on God's word. We treasure as we disciple our families in God's word. We treasure as we prepare our hearts as we're summoned by our king week after week to gather together and give him worship he is due. We saw in Acts chapter 2 that the people treasure Christ by being devoted to the apostles' teaching, being devoted to prayer. So we treasure. Why do we exist? Well, we treasure. We also apply. Since God is gracious to us, he's called us to holiness, and we, ex- we seek to apply the gospel week in, week out, day in and day out. The scriptures say, be holy as I am holy. So we seek to live holy lives, set apart lives, only by the Holy Spirit. So as Matthew was even saying, not by rules that we set up and legalism, no, by the power of the Spirit and joy in going to the Father because of what Christ has done. 
We apply the gospel to one another. We live life alongside each other, specifically in community group and D groups. We want to be known and know one another. We want to invest in each other's marriages, invest in each other's parenting, and really live out the gospel. Living for Jesus is not just a portion of your life. It's not just like the section over here on Sundays or Sundays and Wednesday nights. Or, no, it's, it's all of life. We're living for Jesus or we're living against him. There's no neutral in the Christian life. We want to apply the gospel by using our resources for Jesus. So a part of the application of the gospel that you see in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4 is a generous heart. So part of being a member here is we agree to faithfully financially give. We, we are generous people, and, and whether it's needs in Ukraine or needs here at the church or needs other places, we want to be a generous people. We also proclaim God is glorious and satisfying. He calls us to an abundant life, and we want to share that with other people. We want other people to know the Father's heart and the Father's love. And we do that through both action and words, through demonstration and declaration. So we want to be those who are equipped to share the gospel, know how to present the gospel to others, are deployed and deploy our gifted evangelists. But all of us, even if you're not a gifted evangelist, you know how to bear witness to your neighbor. One of the terms we've often used is we own the lostness of our area. We own the lostness. If there are lost people in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your grocery store, like you're the missionary, you're the person going in, you're the person building a relationship, and you own that school. You own that situation or circumstance as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. We want to have non-believing friends that not just we call them friends, but they would call us friends. Like, not just we invite them to our house, but they invite us to their house, to their party, to their whatever going on. Because we know that in this fallen, sinful world, if we build relationships with people, they're going to experience brokenness, and we have hope in the midst of brokenness. We can point them to a Redeemer. But we don't just want to have a heart for our neighbors though we really do want that heart. We don't just want a heart for our neighbors. We want a heart for the nations. Part of proclaiming is having a heart for the nations. We see in Scripture that all peoples, nations, tribes, and tongues will be around the throne of God, worshiping Him for eternity. So Keith right now is worshiping Jesus with lots of other nations, brothers and sisters in Christ. So we pray for the nations. We build friends with the nations that are around us. We have refugees coming to this area. We want to be generous with how we help with global mission like the Englands. So thank you, many of you who just care for the Englands, support the Englands in, in sending them. They just flew out Thursday morning, I believe, to go back for another three-year stint in Thailand. And if the pillar of glorifying God and treasure applies proclaim the gospel is what we're all about. We want to know where we're going. Like, okay, that's what we believe. That's why we exist. But where are we going? So on a circle, treasure, apply, and proclaim with that question, where are we going? One of the major parts of this church treasure in Christ is here, our Sunday 
gathering together. Each week we are going to worship God through singing, through prayer, through using the gifts that the Spirit's given us, through the preaching of God's Word. We want to sing theologically rich songs. We'll talk about songs a lot as we're getting ready to go through a series on the Psalms. Those are the songs that get stuck in your head that teach you theology. We're going to keep preaching expository messages in the history of our church. We've preached through the books of Genesis, Exodus, Job, Isaiah, Mark, Luke, John, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Titus, 1st, 2nd, 3rd, John, and Jude. 15 books. I didn't even know that until I was looking through it this week. 51 to go, guys. 51. (laughs) So we're going to keep plugging. We'll have Psalms start next week. I heard one pastor, and this was really encouraging. He said, this is kind of his, his title for his church. This isn't their name, but this is kind of what he said. He said, we are a same things church. We are going to do the same things that have fed and do feed and continue to feed God's people. We're not just starting something new. No, we look at our history for 2,000 years as God's word has been feeding his people to faithfulness, to sacrifice, to love and prayer. We want to be a people of word and prayer that feeds the generations the bread of life, gives the fountain of living water. We're a same things church, preaching the word, prayer, fellowship, singing. Now, we seek to be culturally aware. I'm speaking English right now. Like that's cultural awareness. As cool as it would be to have the bagpipes in here, we're probably not going to do that, though that would be awesome. I know, it's a little disappointing. So we even think through that. So we want to be culturally aware, but it's the same gospel, same theology, same Bible doctrine that doesn't change. We want that in the pulpit. We want that in community group. We want that in all we do. We want to know God's word and love God's word, because that points us to knowing and loving God. We're going to do that in our women's ministry, in our men's ministry. We're going to continue to do the Digging Deeper workshops. Our ladies have done that. Thank you, Jennifer Gunther, for years. Our men are catching up. The ladies are going to be doing this, I think, in October, studying the book of Revelation. Here we go. Like, let's dive deep in the book of Revelation. The guys are going to do the same thing in the spring. We want to treasure God's word. Next, apply. We are going to continue to seek to grow through community group and D group, and we want to apply the gospel through talking during meals together, through discussing sermons, studying good books together. And here's the thing, friends. We don't want quick growth that does not last. We don't want quick growth that does not last. In our American society, one of my concerns for the evangelical landscape is someone doing well for six months and being like, I'm good. I'm killing it. I'm going to seminary. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, let's last. Let's walk out faithfulness. It's slow, steady, good growth that takes years to have the firm roots. It takes time. Applying the gospel is not just for our community groups, though. It's for our homes, friends. We want to continue to encourage moms and dads toward biblical faithfulness. That's why we do things like the marriage workshop and parenting workshop. 
Friends, our Hope Kids ministry is wonderful, but this is what Stephanie and Lauren and Rachel and all those who lead Hope Kids ministry, they, they will tell you this, we are supplementary. We're supplementing what's going on in the home. We are not doing it for you. This isn't, this isn't everything your kids need. If, you, if that's it, they only get Sunday mornings. That's good, but that's not best. We're supplementing what's going on in the home. Rooted student ministry is the same. Elliot and the leadership team around that would say, yeah, we want to come alongside what's going on in the home. So we want our homes to be applying the gospel. Lastly, we want to apply the gospel through that gospel care training that Josh was talking about earlier. We have to know how to apply the gospel to everyday life. And let's just admit that we don't. We do not know how to do this. This is not a natural inclination. We need to know how to do this. I heard about one guy who got in an argument with his wife, and as they're getting in this argument, and they're kind of not reconciled, and she's going upstairs, and he, he thinks, I've got to apply the gospel. So he yells at her as she's going up the stairs, remember the gospel! <laughs> not helpful, guys. Don't do that. That's not application of the gospel. Stamping Bible verses on things. like That's not application of the gospel. Friends, if you feel spiritually dry or spiritually stuck or simply don't know how to deal with issues of your past, attend a gospel care training. If you've been stuck in how to apply the gospel to yourself, your spouse, your kids, attend a gospel care training. We want to help get in these details. And I promise you will not regret it. Men, we have it this week. Sign up today. This is the last day to sign up. Ladies, you're going to be doing this in the spring at an entire weekend retreat. That sounds more fun than the guy thing, but hey, our ladies deserve it. We'd like every member of Risen Hope to go through that training eventually. Proclaim. Proclaim. We want to grow in our evangelism and outreach efforts. This is an area that our pastoral team has seen as a weakness of our church. This is an area when the church identified weaknesses in a survey we did in February. It was like, this is one of our weaknesses. We've got to grow in this. It was encouraging to count the acorns that represented gospel conversations. We had 350 gospel conversations in about two and a half years. But I think we feel that this is a weakness that that the Spirit would want us to grow in. And a lot of it doesn't seem because of, like, hard-heartedness. It seems to be about margin and busyness of life. So, friends, we as an eldership team are talking about this. We, when we do accountability at our elder meetings, this is one of the questions we talk about, is who are we reaching out to? Who's our eye on that God's put in our, like, owning the lostness idea? I'd encourage you to think through that. We want to grow in this area. Let me talk about kind of three areas of the proclaim. One, like I just said, is kind of the personal witnessing, personal evangelism being important, that life on life, having non-believing friends and family. If you don't know how to share the gospel, we have the 411 training. It's wonderful. Talk to me. Talk to Samuel. Talk to Robert Wright. There's many of us who've led these trainings and love to help you. We're still going to go to the flea market and share the gospel. I know that scares the fire out of some of you guys, like cold call, 
share the gospel with someone. But if you want to just come and pray as you watch others do that, we need those people too to just be praying as we're out at the flea market sharing. Another way we proclaim is by church planting. We want to have a heart and vision for multiplication. We are getting full friends in this worship gathering, and we want to plant churches. We want to multiply ourselves in cities and towns around us. We'll be planting a Cornerstone Chinese Church in about 11 months. So Perry and Ruth Wong be praying for them. Now, most of us don't speak Mandarin in here. So if you speak Mandarin, you need to go. We're sending you. If you don't speak Mandarin, you're going to have a hard time at that church. But we want to send well, and we want to send others. I'll talk more about church planting in a few minutes. Another idea of, of proclaiming is global mission. We proclaim by our mission emphasis. As a local church, we obviously support the Englands and Northeast Thailand. Um, that's something that we've emphasized a ton. We pray for a lot, and you've heard about a lot, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. But one thing we haven't talked a lot about, we probably need to talk about more, is our region in Sovereign Grace, which right now is West Virginia, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina. We actually financially support the region, and that's even more support for Thailand. So the region we give to the Englands, our region gives to the Englands, which is kind of like double portion to the Englands, which is awesome. We want to support them. We support the Wendelmeyers through that, who are also on the mission team with the Englands. We support a church plant in Bolivia. There's a church plant that's happened there. Uh, David Del Castillo is a church planter with his dad, and they're planting there. And then we're working on some church planting efforts in, in Namib Namibia. Did I say that, Josh? All right. Josh lived in Botswana for years, so I always mess these names up. And then we also support Rancho 3M. We do that as a church and in teams, but our region gives money to Rancho 3M to help the orphanage there. So just want to let you know, like, some proclaiming efforts that we support just through general tithes and offerings uh, to uh, proclaiming of the nations. Third point. We first looked at why, then where are we going. Now, third point is this. How do we get there? How do we get there? Let's continue to talk about treasure, apply, and proclaim as kind of the circling around treasure. We continue to grow in our love for the Word and prayer. If you've been around Risen Hope for any amount of time, you've been asked, how's your soul doing? Or how's time in God's Word going for you? Or how's your prayer life going? Friends, the, the heartbeat of the Christian life is our time in word and prayer individually, and our daily personal worship of King Jesus is vitally connected to our corporate Sunday worship of King Jesus. It affects it. It affects our heart posture. It affects how we pray for one another. Scriptures that come to our head, how we think about all what we do on Sunday is affected by the rest of the week. A part of the treasuring that we feel like we need to grow in and will be a huge impact to Sunday worship gatherings and community groups is this, our heart preparation. Our heart preparation. Because we are Americans, most of us, because we are all busy, because life squeezes, it's tempting to not prepare our hearts for times together. To go into community group exhausted from the work day, to come in here just kind of stumbling forward and be like, okay, I just, I, my tank's empty, I need a, a fill up. 
Our worship gatherings, friends, are greatly affected by our personal worship times of the Lord throughout the week. So Monday through Friday, daily times in God's Word and prayer, filling our hearts and minds with the things of the Lord, repenting of our sin, because you have it and I have it. Let's act, not act like we don't, but repenting short accounts with spouse or kids or neighbors or coworkers, and living before the face of God Monday through Friday. Saturdays, having time in the Word. If you don't work on Saturdays, you could have a longer devotion time. I just even encourage you, how late you stay up on Saturday night does affect Sunday morning. So thinking through, how do we prepare our hearts for Sunday morning? Our worship gathering is impacted greatly as we think about the gifts of the Spirit. You, if you're a believer, have Holy Spirit gifts that God wants you to use for the edification and encouragement of the church body. That's why you have them. Will that be every Sunday morning? No, but will it be for the church some Sunday mornings? Yes. Will it be in community group? Will it be in D groups? All those, yes. So when 1 Corinthians 14 says, verse 1 says, pursue love. Okay, I'm to pursue love as I come in here because that's talking about the, the corporate gathering in 1 Corinthians 14. That's the context earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Okay, I'm leaning into earnestly desire using the gifts that God has. Then it says, especially that you may prophesy. And you're like, whoa, maybe Paul was off on that one, right? So we can talk about biblical prophecy and what that is in the New Testament. I don't have time to deal with that. If you have questions, I'm happy to answer them. But we want to lean into using the gifts that God has has given us for the gathered assembly. So we as elders feel like we need to grow in treasuring Christ by preparing our hearts beforehand as we then gather together. Next, apply. It seems that D groups has greatly encouraged folks with application of the gospel. We have well over half of our adult members in D groups every month for accountability and planning how to grow. D groups are a wonderful means of grace, so thank you for those. Our teens, uh, our student ministry, are, they're diving into God's Word and good books, regular times and homes and here at our church facility. Our Hope Kids team is doing a great job having scripture memory and catechisms. Parents, you can take advantage of that. Um, it's given to you each week to pour into your kids God talk should not be unusual in our homes, friends. So let's continue to apply the gospel. And let's apply the gospel as we're being generous, all the ways God wants us to. And proclaim. Where do we want to grow and go in our proclaiming? Will we grow in our proclaiming? And this is going to be less about individual evangelism or witness and more about us corporately, okay? We grow in our proclaiming by sending well. What do I mean by that? Sending well. God has graciously given us a heart and vision to plant churches and get this, lean into sacrifice. The Christian life is leaning into sacrifice, not the American life of leaning away from sacrifice. We want to be a church that is a safe place for leadership on ramps, which means that we have to give future leaders real reps with real sermons and real discipleship opportunities and real counseling situations and ability to make mistakes. I tell guys all the time when we're thinking about church plans, like, make a mistake on my watch. I don't want you to have to make that same mistake when you go out and plant a church. 
I want to help and guard you and help you in the midst of those. One of the reasons that I'm preaching less sermons is to help other guys learn how to preach. I used to preach about 90% of the sermons here at the church, and now I preach about 60. And that's purposeful on our elder team. We've talked through this so that I can help equip elders of this church and future churches as we seek to plant churches, which leads to the next part of proclaiming. We grow in our proclaiming as we prepare and train. We want to train and deploy those who are gifted, called, and qualified to be pastors and church planters. We saw throughout the passages we read in Acts, the church has this outward focus, outward orientation, and they send out and form churches. What does preparation and training look like for us? Well, here's a few things. One, Samuel Johnson right here is continuing another year of pastoral residency. Thank you, Samuel, for doing that. We have... But our budget year, fiscal year, started September 1, so we're just into our new budget year. Um, we have increased Samuel's hours, which also increases his pay. So your tithes and offerings help pay for him. Thank you for that, which has been a huge blessing. Man, the amount of things I gave Samuel this summer, I'm just like, back up the truck. Boom. Hey, that sports camp, will you lead that? Hey, that Rancho 3M trip, will you lead that? Hey, youth camp, well, Elliot's going to put a lot on you too. So, like, let's, let's just keep giving more to Samuel and see when he breaks. That's what you do with it. <laughs> just kidding. We're not trying to break him, but we're trying to help him. And he's carrying a massive workload, and we are very grateful for him because we're preparing him. We're preparing Samuel because we're wondering if God's calling him to plant a church. So he has to get those real reps to be able to plant a church if that's what God's calling him to do. Secondly, Elliot Shorey right here is now a pastoral resident at Risen Hope. We give him a little stipend, and he's studying for ordination, and he may go with Samuel and plant a church. That's a real possibility. Those are conversations we are having. We don't know. This will probably be a couple years from now, but we are. you got to prepare now for what's going to come later. Thirdly, and this is probably a bigger announcement because we have, we've talked about Samuel and Elliot many different times. This might come to a surprise, but it's a fun surprise. We are praying about sending the Richardson, Richardson family, so Nick and Jenna and their family, to the pastor's college this next year. So Nick has been through my eldership training. We're almost done with that. Has a desire for eldership, and we think he may be a future bivocational elder here at Risen Hope Church. As we send others out on church planting, we want to backfill those leadership responsibilities. So we're talking through that, um, that that may be what God is calling us to. I'll talk more about Pastors College in a minute. But this is exciting and sacrificial. Exciting and sacrificial. That is part of the Christian life. Death, resurrection, difficult things, joy in Jesus. Mission is always sacrificial, friends. It takes relational sacrifice, financial sacrifice, and Christ-centered courage to move the mission forward. Another way we support and proclaim the gospel is by also outside things of this local church. So the greater sovereign grace mission is something I want to talk about. We don't talk about this much either. Some of you guys know this who 
know my family really well. Some of you guys don't. But part of the unique way of proclaiming the gospel as a church is that Risen Hope actually releases me to work some hours for Sovereign Grace as the church planning coordinator nationally. So this benefits our church because we end up getting guys like Perry, who I taught the pastor's college class on church planning, meet Perry. Perry's like, hey, I want to plan a church. Okay, let's start talking. So that's a benefit we get. But also there's sacrifice because I'm working some stuff there, so can't always do the same thing here. So I coordinate the National Church Planting Group for Sovereign Grace, which assesses future church planners, coaches future church planners, does a cohort for guys who are planting around the U.S. This month, we're starting our next cohort. We're planting a diverse group of churches. We're planting a Spanish-speaking church in Yuma, Arizona, an English-speaking church in Brentwood, Tennessee. If you know Brentwood, that's like the very high-dollar area. We've got, I think, a couple PGA golfers who've recently gotten saved who are actually helping with that church plant. So it's like this Spanish-speaking Yuma, Chinese-speaking, and this weird Brentwood. Like, the dynamics of these churches is very different. Our Chinese-speaking church here in Charleston, an English-speaking church in rural Warren, Pennsylvania. If you don't know where that is, I didn't either. And English-speaking church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. So we're working towards some church planning. As we give financially, monthly to Sovereign Grace, it helps in those church planning efforts. Also, our church planning group is helping churches in Sovereign Grace who feel stuck. This is something our group's very passionate about. If you are a church in Sovereign Grace and you haven't planted and you have no intention to plant, we are working with you to be like, what do we need to do to be on mission together? That's one of the things we do. So last point is this, the planted campaign. How does all this come together? Well, last year we began our planted campaign and we uh, put 100% of the funds toward our facility, both the Future Shell building, the Hope, uh, Hope Kids building projects, and the playground funding. Uh, we surveyed the church a few weeks ago to see, like, hey, when we have extra money here in the planted fund, where do you feel like it should go? We had over 70%, or like right at 70% say, we want to head to the Shell building. We want to be thinking about future, uh, future funding there. Um, for year one of our planted campaign, we had 98% of the pledges come in, which was great. We had an extra money to come in as well of unpledged money. So we praise God for that. Over $75,000 came in in one year for planted. So thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you guys for your generosity there. This year we felt like, and this is kind of what I'm bringing you with this kind of state of church address is that we should shift the percentages a bit with what's coming, what we feel like the Lord's put on our heart for this season of life. We believe that the Lord does want us to still think about stewarding this facility. We would love to not have to go to two services, but we probably are going to have to, just to let you know. And we're looking at maybe even January. So like we had we can seat about 200 people in here. We had 212 last week. Now, that includes kids and stuff, but fall usually is an on-ramp for more and more people visiting and people not vacationing as much and stuff like that. So, so we are thinking through that, and please pray for us uh, to have wisdom. So preparing for a large facility, larger facility right there that God's given us is something we're highly considering. 
But we also want to think through the percentages. We feel that church planting's on the horizon. So 10% of the planted is going to go toward our church planting. Another 10% is going toward leadership development. Basically, that money is toward Nick and Jenna with Pastors College. So as we are making pledges for planted campaign, as we're raising money, we've got 80% facility, 10% church plant, and 10% um, as leadership development. And that's how we feel like for this year. And what we said last year when we presented planted campaign for the first time was like, This is just kind of what we feel right now, and it's a one-year thing. And we may do this next year, and we may not. And so we're just kind of praying like, Lord, what should we do? The percentages may change, but we're going to bring those to you year in and year out. And so this is for this coming year, this kind of September to August, this is what we're sensing. So 80%, 10%, 10%. Now two things to remember with Planted Campaign. One, we don't expect 100% of the members to give to this. It might sound weird, but we don't expect 100% of our members to give this. We do expect 100% of our members to pray about this and ask God, are you calling me to, to give to this? Pray and ask God if you're supposed to, and whatever faithfulness to the Lord is, is what we want you to consider. This is his money. This is his mission. We also want to honor the Lord with this fund. This is an offering. This is not tithes. This is, this is not the regular giving to the church. This is above and beyond. So that's where you just want to pray and ask God, do you or do you not give? If so, how much is he calling you to? So here's the ask. As a family, please pray about whether God's calling you to participate in the planted campaign. You have a card right there that you can see. There's probably one around you. If you can grab that, you can turn this pledge card in anytime uh, this month. You can put it in the back, uh, fold it, and put it in that little, uh, what's that called, offering box. You could give this to Christopher Warren or all you guys who are on Realm, so, which is like 90% of the people in our church give on Realm. You can actually do the pledge on Realm if you'd rather not use a piece of paper. So that's up to you. Um, But please seek to do that in September. Now I want to leave us as we're shutting down with a quote. Ray Ortland said this at a conference I was at years ago, and it's just stuck with me. He says, don't try to do the work of the Spirit in the power of the flesh. Don't try to do the work of the Spirit in the power of the flesh. Treasuring, applying, and proclaiming the gospel is not fleshly work. It's spirit work. If we're doing it in the the power of the flesh, we're going to fail. Planting churches, training future pastors, making disciples, building a facility, whatever it is, if we're doing that in the flesh, we're going to fail, friends. There's no reason to do it. If it's for the glory of risen hope, if it's for the glory of our pastoral team, if it's for the glory of Samuel to plant a church, like, fail. Fail. But if it's for God's glory and it's led by the Spirit to honor our King, oh, that's awesome. That's doing the work of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit. So I have one more ask. During the month of September, we're going to ask our church family to pray and fast one day per week. Some of us will do it on fasting Fridays. You can join me. That's probably when I'm going to do it. Some of us will pick another day. Use that time, lunch or breakfast or however you decide to do it as you pray, to pray about you personally 
treasuring, apply, and proclaiming the gospel. Pray about your other brothers and sisters in the church to treasure, apply, and proclaim the gospel. And as you pray and fast, here's a few categories. Praying about the spiritual warfare. I've been praying lately for our church to just put on the armor. We talked about this a lot in August. We did like two or three sermons about the end of Ephesians 6. Putting on the armor. I'll just tell you, as a pastor, the phone calls I've had this week, we've been under attack. Like, Monday phone call, Tuesday phone call, Wednesday phone call, like major attack. Please consider praying and fasting about the spiritual warfare that is going on, the the arrows that are being shot. Continue to pray for the Chinese church plant. Perry and Ruth are praying for a core team. It is hard to build a core team in an area that's a, a bunch of English speakers a core team of believers who can then go out with them as they plant the church. So pray for that. If you know Chinese families in the U.S. that might want to move here to help plant a church with the Wongs, talk to them. Like We are praying that people will even move here to help start this church. Next, pray about whether or not we should plant this church and I, I, did I say the location or not? I didn't. So we're praying about Monk's Corner, South Carolina. That's where we're thinking about planting. Ask the Lord if we're supposed to do that. We don't know. That's our leaning right now, but we're praying about planting a church up in Monk's Corner. And then pray for the Richardson family. as That's a big sacrifice to, to go to Pastor's College for a year and to come back. And there's a lot of dynamics that we've been starting to talk through there. Pray for them. Pray for the Lord to fund that. It's expensive to go like $60,000. So we're praying that from personal fundraising and all that, like, Lord, how do you want to stir this if you're calling them to do this? So friends, we're just asking you to pray. We're not coming to you with lots of solutions. (laughs) We, We don't have them. It's kind of that, Lord, we don't know what to do. Our eyes are on you. But that's the posture we need. That's actually the posture we live in most days, right? Lord, we're, we, we just want to have open hands and honor you. So that's what we're asking. If you, as you pray and as you sense things, let our elders know we're in this together and we want to honor our King. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace, your mission, your desires to build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail. God, we pray against the spiritual warfare that is going on in the name, the powerful name of Jesus, that it would be gone. Lord, we pray that even as we fast this month, Lord, that the bonds and chains that people are wearing would fall off. Lord, clarity of mind would come. Faith and repentance would come by your grace. God, we pray for Perry and Ruth and Daniel and this church plant, Lord, that you would stir more to come. God, thank you for the ongoing evangelism that they're doing even yesterday, talking to people about Jesus, King Jesus. Lord, stir more. Thank you for the gift of evangelism that you've given Perry and Ruth. God, we pray for this possible church plant in Monk's Corner. Lord, if, if we're supposed to do that, make that clear stir our hearts to believe, help our unbelief, Lord. And God, we pray for the Richardsons as they are taking the step of praying about going and being trained. Lord, give them peace and wisdom and 
financial provision and all the things that you're calling for them. Thank you for their faith. Thank you for even bringing them here a little over a year ago, just asking you what you wanted. And for their heart, for many, as they've poured their lives out, for many in this room, I thank you for them. Lord, be glorified. We want you to be glorified. Let us not do this in the power of our flesh at all, but in the power of the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. We'll see you at community group or next week.